0: I'm Sonia Morton Firth and you're watching The Sonia Morton Firth Show. Today, my guest is Nick Dunn, veteran author, but most famous for being part of the Chennai Six. Nick served in the parachute regiment for six years. In October, 2013, he was arrested along with 34 crew and falsely accused of straying into Indian waters with illegal weapons. What ensued was four years of hell imprisoned in India. Watch this interview to hear the extent of resilience and mental strength needed as Nick and his family fought for his freedom. So do you think your military training helped you with this, or get through what you were going through?
1: Definitely 100%. Uh, Without me military training, I would have gone into the situation... uh, Mm, clueless more than what we were to begin with um, yeah would have just gone into a a little recluse ball cry and I did that anyways but with being in the military yeah assess the situation especially when the shit hits the fan and by god it Hit the fan, big time. We had been thrown in a prison for a crime we don't even know what we've done. We didn't even know it was involving weapons for at least a few months down the line, whilst we were in prison. So you can imagine twenty-three uh, foreigners out of thirty-five guys all thrown in one prison, and we're all from different three different countries different backgrounds and we've all got families in our own countries worried sick, we've all got some
0: sort of military training which helped. Um, How did it help? What, what do you, if, can you think back about what it was about the training that helped you get through the day I guess? Or? Um, so you, we
1: were given my bed sheets and my metal mugs etc and we got my cell. My well, first, the cell must have been, on memory sake, 8 by 10. Um, it wasn't really big. Uh, I shared that with three other guys. So we're all in this compound together, and we're all in, like, separate cells, the 23 guys. So I shared... you share- with the
0: other English guys?
1: I shared with two English guys and one Estonian guy. Um and we had a little hole in the floors, as well, toilet and a, a book or two to wash it away um, we had bed sheets um, later on we did, with the help of the British Embassy get little little quilts little mattresses but with the heat and all that they kind of just shrink and go uh, thin so it wasn't great, but it wasn't the flow. So, in a way, it was a bit of... A luxury. Pr- <laughs> it was a little tiny bit of luxury. Um, but you start to lose weight. We're, we're averaging a meal a day, if that. Um, we're not Gordon Ramsay, so we're not top uh, chefs. Um, I'm sure we'll probably give each other a food poisoning on more than
0: one occasions. And um, presumably, like, this is India... Um, and you hear about what goes obviously, it's the sanitation isn't the best and the best of times. And you know, everyone talks about you get deli belly and you get all sorts when you're out there. I mean, were you guys ill? Yes,
1: it went through us like hot knife through butter. And I'm on about serious pain, guys in crippled conditions because you are on low, your, your malnutrition is low, you're getting, if that, a meal a day.
0: Presumably it's not the cleanest of places. It's 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 definitely not the
1: cleanest of places. We were trying our best to buy cleaning products from prison shop um, with our prison money, which was supplied so often by prisoners abroad, which I thank them through the bottom of my heart, without their input in finances, we wouldn't be able to have bought, say, a pack of biscuits or toiletries to make the, you know, your days a lot a bit better in prison but you know having a, a, a military mindset you do kind of waft f- things off a bit and you are oh it's all right but the, when you get seriously ill like what we did on occasion it's horrible, um, I remember being in cripple and pain lying in my cell and we used the outside toilet during the day, um, obviously to keep the, the cell smell free. <laughs> uh, um, and I remember needing to go to the toilet and my stomach was churning, I was mm, like that making. And then I just got outside, I puked, I shot myself, so, yeah. and I just stood there crying for me mum. I was ill, I just was I had enough, and I wasn't the only one. Yeah. But I was just like, you know, when you're crying, but then you start and laugh at the same time because you realise what you've done. And I'm, and I'm just like, stood there, and I'm like, ah, I wanna go home. I wanna go home, I, I, I can't deal with this. You know? was there any point when you just wanted to end or um yeah when i got told about my mum. um 5 days before christmas then
0: so this was christmas 2013
1: so we were arrested in october and uh, we got bail in april 2014 so the time we were in prison um it was... The first time. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're running up to the, the Christmas, so we're starting to get down. Getting, I've worked abroad during Christmas. When I was back in the army, I was in Iraq. Yeah. But I was in the military. I was able to communicate yeah, with my family. It's the, a different yeah, course, different uh, situation. And this situation, I'm in a prison for a crime I've not committed. So you can imagine people's morale in that situation. You could scrape up half, half of people. They were just sick. I was sick. We were missing my families terribly. And one of the, one of the other Brit guys had a, a visit. And as far as I remember, he got told to stay behind on my embassy meeting. And then he, oh, me... me my me, me family's come to see us, so I got told to stay back on uh, the last meeting before Christmas, so. I you, bet can you're imagine, excited, you can yeah. imagine how I felt. I was like yeah. a Cheshire cat. I thought, wow, I'm going to get some good news here." And Sharon just looked at us, and she just her whole face just it was Sharon sorry. She, Sharon from the embassy. The embassy okay. she just her face just went blank. And she goes, I I don't know what to do, Nick, but I've been taught and instructed to give you this letter from your sister. And I just was like, what? What's this? And I've gone from happy to, don't even know what this letter's saying, but words are jumping out. And it's my sister repeatedly telling me, don't worry, don't worry, she's okay, she's okay. And I'm like, who's okay? Why, why am you telling us not to worry? Now, I, I'm trying to read this letter and my mind's racing and I'm, and I'm picking odd words up. And I get to the point where... ..my sister tells us that my mum suffered a double aneurysm five days before Christmas whilst in the hairdresser's and I just broke down. I just didn't know what to do. I just, I just, you know, it felt like me whole world was shattered. And the pain, anyone who's military will, will have this terminology, the, the red mist. Mm-hmm. So the red mist was trying to take control and I was battling that. I was battling my emotions to try and stay uh from turning into a, a, a soppy mess on the floor. I think I, at that time I was more shocked at giving the letter and trying to digest it all and I was just like what on earth? What am I supposed to do? Why why how? Um and came to that mile walk, it was nearly a mile walk from the jailer's office and the prison to our compound and it felt like a 10-mile walk because I was dragging my feet, I was battling the red mist, I was walking in a tunnel, I had Indian prisoners screaming and shouting oh at us, hurling abuse. I couldn't understand it, but with the tone of the, what they were shouting at, I knew it was um, abuse. You would get the, 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 the good old racial slur in there as well. Stones were thrown at us. Obviously, I, I had pain 10 times worse than that going through my body, so mm. I didn't really feel the impact of these stones till later on. And I am trying to not lose control. ...of my emotions and I got back into the compound that we were staying and one of the Brit guys saw us and I just broke down and went for a wander around the compound and I was just telling them what's happened and... ...I was just distraught more than anything. I was just to take you know, to take away, to scrape off the floor. I felt like my life was over. Like... What if she dies? What's going to happen? Will I be allowed to go for the funeral? Like, like everything was going through my head. So, the Christmas that was hard. It was very hard. Um, can't imagine how hard it was for my sister, knowing that my mum's in the hospital yeah. fighting for her life.
0: And I'm, a, prison, and I'm in a prison in India
1: fighting for my life. But it was difficult. I've never felt so much pain in my entire life. And you're still feeling it now? I still feel it today because it feels like yesterday. That's the ultimate truth. Um, No, no, I try and... I, I have to talk about these things to show people that you don't need to cause physical damage to someone to really hurt them. This was done... Just reading the letter and little... I didn't know it at the time, I found out months down the line that me sister and me dad made a decision to tell us because they had to tell me. They didn't want to
0: tell me. Yeah, and it must have been a hard decision for them But they,
1: they had to uh, make that decision, just like the decision the surgeon gave me sister and me brother. They said, if we don't operate, she dies. If we operate, she still might die. So, two big decisions my family had got to make.
0: One option.
1: And they, they, they chose the the two right decisions. Has decision. this
0: brought you... Have you this, I mean, it sounds like you were a really close family anyway. Yes. Has this brought you closer?
1: It's definitely brought were closer. closer um, my dad and my mum are divorced and have been for many years now so my dad had to take during the for during the time that I wasn't in prison I was never off Skype to him I couldn't speak to my mum only under supervision of my mum uh, my sister sorry when she would finish work would Skype mm. but it was really difficult and it was so hard um, trying to communicate Um, How is the mum now? My mum's leaps and bounds she'll never be the same I know that, I've accepted that Um, it's frustrating at times when she's trying to speak she knows what she wants to say but sometimes it's quite difficult and there's the odd occasions where She's under no stress from trying to speak and can speak normal mm. but then you're kind of shocked you can't remember what she's really said so you say that again and then go to that square one because you put her on the spot so it's, it, it is quite difficult but the, them initial first months going into Christmas 2013 to then go into the new year 2014 and We've got our case going through the courts and you, you, you just think, what on earth is going on? Snail's pace, no communication from the company. N- what agent came to see, well, I think, once or twice. He was as much use as uh, tits on a fish. You know, <laughs> it, was,
0: it was just ridiculous. The embassy were fantastic. That was our way of communication. So the embassy were... Okay, let's talk about this. The, the embassy were fantastic. What about the British government? Because at this point, and I know we need to fast forward a little bit, because yeah. y- you did get out on bail. Yeah, we, we but, got but bail. But you were only out, out, not out. Well, yeah. It, maybe just give me, a, give me that sort of um, overview. of Because a lot of people would say, oh, but you weren't in prison. But <laughs> it's it, not it the was same. still in prison.
1: Uh, um, so we got bail in April 2014. Uh, we had to sign bail at the police station twice mm. uh, a day which was quite annoying because you couldn't relax you twice had... a
0: day so you couldn't go anywhere basically. couldn't you had...
1: practically go anywhere the only place I was able to go to was the gym in in between um, me going to the police station because they never rushed when we were at the police station oh, yeah, T- I can imagine they the, the just piss-assed about half the time and it was strenuous it was frustrating but we had to do it. Um, we did that for a couple of months. We got the case in July 2014. This is the only time
0: where I will openly say my government failed me. I wanted to come back to that bit because you served for six years in the Paris. Yeah? Yes. And you served our country. Yes. You, gave, you, you basically put your life on the line. Obviously, you don't think you're going to die, but... You put your life forward to serve, and yet the British government—what the hell were they doing?
1: I don't, I don't know. Um, you, you've got to speak to my sister. She had more dealings with the British government. Uh, and your
0: sister was a real cheaper. She, she did, she made loads of petitions since she turned up at Downing Street. Yeah, yeah.
1: Her and uh, a few I want of to meet your other. sister. Her, she sounds like
0: a great, great girl.
1: Yeah, her and the other families got petitions, uh, put them in, uh, down the street to get heard by the Prime Minister, um, David Cameron at the time. Mm. Um, like I said, I feel that the government failed with the. the we had no charges. We had letters from our lawyer stating we do not need to remain in India during the 90-day appeal process that the Indian police were now going through from July 2014 and they said we will see what they do and we're like we know they'll appeal look at what's been happening the wait till the final last second to do anything causing utter misery so you picture 90 days so we're out in India financial burden on our families. Yeah. We obviously had the company, resurrected, made a big spectacle, put it in a hotel, then didn't bother paying it, so I had to leave. Excuse me, and then we had to leave, and then my family then had to take uh, the reins and start putting money into my bank account, so I then had to then pay my uh, hostel. I had... Uh, Charity money from the British Legion, the Parachute Regiment Association, you know, I thank them tenfold. Um, A few friends uh, fired some money over to me. Great people helping me have a roof over my head to put food in my belly for no reason but for survival. Because other than that, I would have been on the streets. Um, I wasn't getting paid by my company, and I was—I felt like I was let down
0: by the government. Absolutely, you were let down by the government. I—I I, I feel really strongly about that. Just hearing the fact that you—you know—you you put yourself forward, you served um, you and the other veterans because it was you and and, and five others making the six. I, I think it's. Sorry, I'm <laughs> going to say I think it's bloody disgusting, but it, there you go. And. <laughs>
1: You've got 90, like I say, you've got 90 days for the police to appeal. So when it's getting close to day 90, you can understand how we're feeling. We're feeling pretty confident. Some guys are packing one of our stuff, uh, items they've got. That's it. Get a new, uh, we wouldn't need a passport. We'll go for, get a, a, um, a, a flight a, a chit from the embassy. Um for that reason. And then it came to day 88, and then we got news from our lawyer that the police had put a paperwork into the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court were entertaining it. So you can imagine the morale had just been taken away from you. You were were days away from going home to now extending this nightmare. And it was hard. I think more so hard for my family because mm. they were days, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. days away and from she, getting me to come being home. Being excited and thinking this was it. Y-
1: yes, it only had been from say October to the, you know nearly S- September, um, and a bit of jail time in there. I can I can live with that. Mm. Bad things can happen to the good people of the world. We know that. I'm not going to be ignorant on that. And yeah, I would just have cracked on with my life. I, yeah, pretty shit. But get on with things. But then it just carried on. The
0: nightmare just rolled
1: on and rolled on
0: and. And then you were found. And basically, you were then found guilty.
1: Yeah. And put back in. Uh, yeah. So we spent nearly close to a year and a half out of prison, and then we were doing this trial down in the lion's den in uh, Tutakarin, where it all began, and it was horrendous. I felt violently sick um, when the collector of evidence turned around when he was getting cross-referenced, cross-examined by our lawyers, and he stated, apparently under oath, that if I had seen the ballistics Experts report stating the weapons were not prohibited. I wouldn't have put the charges on the men. However, I didn't, but I still put the charges on the men. So he sent us to prison because he didn't see any evidence
0: because they withheld it. So they basically took the paperwork when they were... You had the paperwork on the boat. They took the evidence. Hit and it, just and it then made it... Then- made it not
1: turn up on his desk. So that was their way of getting us into prison.
0: Um, and we got convicted for five years and... Uh, but you were... You, you, you got out and you got out on, as I understand it, a sort of technicality, one of the guys, the captain, was ill. Yeah. And they reopened or they looked... What? You had a judge look at it again. Yeah, yeah it was horrible. Um, for nearly one year of
1: not having a decision, going in that prison every day trying to ring the lawyer, we're going to find out what's going on. When the embassy comes to see us, um, we had the Deputy High Commissioner come and see us on numerous occasions. We had the High Commissioner from New Delhi come and see us on numerous occasions. We had two foreign ministers two different foreign ministers from the United Kingdom, government, come and see us in prison, reassuring us that they're doing everything in their power to get us out of that prison. And my sister publicly made it known that actions speak louder than words. You can have 50-odd meetings with these government officials. Nothing's coming of it. Something has to give and unfortunately I hope he's okay now with his family it took a man to nearly die for my freedom Mm. that is disgusting they were preparing for a man to nearly die to let us out of prison that is not how life should be and I said this to the guys in prison It'll take one or two reasons for us getting out of prison. We'll, it goes well in court or someone will die. And I was laughed upon. Oh, yeah, 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 it's all right. That, no one's going to die, we'll be all right. Well, that captain had bone cancer and he looked like a... He just looked like a walking skeleton. Regardless of your opinion on him, yes, he kind of, I would say, it didn't help the situation, but I'm not going to watch a man die regardless of my opinion on him. He was like a bag of bones with a sheet of skin over him. He was awful. And our lawyers for, right, will we'll do a, a case for him to get medical treatment, basically to go to a private hospital so his family from the Ukraine come over to the, India to watch him die. So our case is at the High Court, for our appeal, just sat there waiting, not even getting entertained and his case is going up. His case went all the way to the Supreme Court and his case was heard by the biggest judge of all of India, Mr. Supreme Court himself. He didn't even entertain the man's health. He just said, why are you still in my country? Well, our legal team jumped on it Well, Your Honour... You've got another
0: 20... uh, they're
1: They're still waiting on a decision for nearly one year at the High Court. And he went, right, I want a decision date within two weeks. So that was progression after nearly one year. So when morale was lifted and a week later we got the decision and... It was just tremendous. I was uh, in the Flintstone gym outside when I got given the news. It felt like someone had just wellied us in the stomach. It felt, I felt ill, but a, a good a happy, feeling. A
0: happy Ill. Yeah,
1: I felt,
0: <laughs> what?
1: I'm trying to digest this information. And honestly, it was... Because we, we never slept the previous night of the the court hearing decision day we always gave it judgment day tomorrow was judgment day and we never slept so when we got the good news we didn't sleep again and then as soon as that prison cell was opened I kicked the door I was like get out I need to train, I need to tire myself out and then we got two old embassies coming to get with so I felt like someone had just Sucker punches in the stomach again. But to go down to the main uh, entrance of the prison to see the embassy staff there waiting for it to take we're out of this... Hell, hell. <sighs> out of this absolute hell. You knew it was over. You knew it was over. You could see that light at that end of the tunnel that I never let grasp of. It was that bright. I was like that. I'm blinded. I knew it was over. I knew it was over. The embassy were taking us home. And I we all got to the embassy. I rung my sister and she was literally on the way to Newcastle Airport to come out and get to see us. It was just an amazing feeling.
0: Nick, it sounds like they should really make a film of this. But... You have Tom written, Hardy? Yeah. <laughs> but you've written a book, which has yeah. recently come out, came out in lockdown. Yes. Surviving Hell. Yes. I just want to ask, what was it like writing that book and what was your aim for writing that book?
1: The, the aim on writing the book was... Um, I had many people write to me in prison from around the world as far as Australia, Canada, America... And all the amazing, wonderful people from the UK who supported us. A few people were writing in my letters saying, "Nick, are you writing? Are you writing any memoirs down? Mm. Uh, you, 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 you should do something when you get home." And because we're not, we're interested in wanting to know your story, but the media have a short window and the con keep up to date as much so they're just reiterating the same thing to get more people to sign the petitions etc and it was uh, it was quite cathartic doing it as well it was hard doing it very every emotion was uh, out when I was doing the book Um, Howard who helped us write write it had amazing patience he would say to me, do you want to stop there mm. when I would get angry or get would get frustrated or upset. I went, no, no, we'll carry on, we'll keep going. And it was the first ever time where I've actually sat down and had to remember start, middle, end. And it was hard. It took nearly the best part of a year to do it, but it was worth it because I felt like I was... I was giving something back to the people who supported me. They've now can finally, because a lot of the people were saying, Nick, when we found out you were coming home, we felt the release of the strain off our shoulders as well. And these are the amazing people telling me this, and I was just flabbergasted to hear people say these lovely things to me because I was in a prison. I was just a regular guy just doing my job and now I'm I'm in the media because I'm involved in a massive international miscarriage of justice and people are interested in my story and to do this book, I'm getting everything as much as I can down in writing to give people the chance to... I wouldn't say relive
0: what I went through, but understand a bit more. Nick, if I ask you to reflect on those four years, is there anything that you actually can take from them, from those horrible, horrible... I'm not saying that, take from those four years and think, well, I can take that from there. I've Uh... learned something, or there's something, there's one piece of advice or something that you've got that you can take from it?
1: I thought joining the parachute regiment was uh, a challenge. It was, and not many people succeed. Um, That's why it's the best regiment in the world. But being able to survive a prison stretch like I did in the conditions that we were in, to knowing your, your parent, your mom is fighting for her life, your family are worried sick, you're going through a legal nightmare, you're fighting for freedom, what I can take from it is, it's made me a stronger willed person, I I was always a, a stubborn, mentally strong person as it is. I think I've excelled beyond what that level was in the space of four years. With every positive, there is some negatives and I am a bit more emotional nowadays. I'm very forgetful. I probably need a good woman to keep us in check. (laughs) But with every good thing that has came from my negative situation that I was in, little negatives have crept in as well and it is an emotional roller coaster that i went through i am every day i wouldn't say every day is a challenge but every day it could be a struggle but i try to see the positives of life of freedom of how my life is now, I've got my book out, I'm doing as much as I can to promote that and I wanna try and help others in, the, in bad situations that they may find. Um, this year has been hectic for many people's lives. Um, with the whole lockdown situation, I went through my lockdown. My lockdown was extreme lockdown. Um, so you've got t- taking the people who've got severe anxiety and re- rely on social activities to get through day to day challenges that their lives face, and with this year being the way it is, they're not being able to do that. And I want hopefully them to take the time to read my book, to then realise. That your home isn't a prison. It's comfort. It's safety. I was in a prison. I did the, the horrible extreme lockdown. You don't need to. Put the TV on. Watch Netflix till your eyes bleed. But make sure you're not you know, going through lockdown in a horrible, strenuous situation. Don't let your severe anxiety beat you up because there's people out there who are suffering this year because of that and you know i just want basically them to uh you know get through day to day on a better term
0: and Nick, where can people get your book we're going to put the link um in the show notes um amazon amazon's the place amazon's
1: the place um you can personally buy copies from myself um I do order books, so a lot of people do tend to... Uh, Get signed. Yes, if they yes. want a signed copy. Um, if the if the person who wants a, a paperback, signed, ask me. No problem. If they want a hardback, signed, ask me. But you can buy both on Amazon. You can go to Waterstones, WH Smith... Um, there's other third-party outlets there as really? well, but Amazon seems to be the best Well, we're one. going to put
0: the link in the show notes. Yeah, and definitely. we've already reached my final question, and it's gone really fast, Nick. Mm. Um, if you were to write a message in a bottle for future generations to find, yes, what would that message be?
1: My message in a bottle for some lucky person or persons to find washed up on a beach would be, and it's came more of apparent this year with everything that's gone on, is in every negative, there's a positive. Maybe a small positive, but it's a positive, and you've got to take that positive and let it roll and watch before your eyes, it becomes larger than life. Because I've gone through a negative part in my life and the people that I've came to meet And the stuff that I've done has been positives. So it must be true. In every negative, there's a positive.
0: Nick, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. No problem. Thank you. No problem. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like, and you'll get it straight into your inbox.